Eye on 2020 episode 107. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton, your host of ION 2020, the source that you've been coming to Monday through Friday for the news and the related events as we lead up to 2020. People fighting for the vote. That's what they're trying to do. I actually saw today, a. am driving down the road, and I should have stopped and take a picture of it. It would have been fun to post on IonTheEmpire.com or maybe even on the Facebook page, but uh, which is ION the Empire, by the way. Just type in that. You'll find it. Uh, but I'm driving down the road. And I saw somebody made a sign that said Amash 2020. So even people are starting to ske- you know, speculate that this guy's going to run. Must have been a libertarian. I don't know. I was driving through the country, right right through the uh, heart of North Carolina, like just on some rural roads between one town and another. And I see that sign and somebody went out and bought, literally must have went out and bought sticky, you know, stickers with the A-M-A-S-H. And then uh, said Amash 2020 on it. And it actually did it, they did it on both sides. So to me, that just says something that if someone's going to go out and do that, I mean, that would be, that means that they really are hoping that this guy's going to run for a libertarian or maybe as a Republican. There's been speculation on that, right? But anyway, there, there is a lot going on with the election 2020 right now. Just because of the people that are dissatisfied with Donald Trump. Uh, the Republicans, uh, some Republicans are very dissatisfied with Donald Trump, especially what he's been doing with the trade war, what he's been doing with uh, just threatening violence upon other countries and things like that, and the fact that he seems like he's leading from behind on the whole Venezuela and Iran policy that's going on with, with John Bolton kind of taking the lead on those things as well. Uh, seem, seeming like he might be overstepping his bounds, but maybe Donald Trump isn't just, re, just isn't reining him in enough and things like that, uh, or maybe he doesn't have control over that the the, industri- the military industrial complex right now. Who knows? But there are a lot of people that are dissatisfied, and obviously somebody that's so, somebody that's out in the country. I mean, usually that is that is just the pure. You know, Republicans, Republican rural areas. If you look at the maps and stuff like that, you'd see that. But I mean, that's where you're gonna have someone that's truly a Republican or something. But you know, might have been a libertarian. Who knows? Because only libertarians really hear about Justin Amash, right? I don't know that many other people even know who this guy is. But if you're a libertarian, you follow the you know libertarian news. I guess was what you'd find. You know, you'd find people talking about that on libertarian. Facebook pages on a libertarian Reddit pages and things like that. Just um, that's that's a guy that you might hear about, but or if you listen to Ion Twenty Twenty, you'll hear about him as well because I did I have brought him up in the past whether he's going to run or not as a libertarian, or I've actually heard somebody speculate that he might just try to run as a Republican and not drop the R in front of his name. Uh, 
Or he might be doing it because Michigan is typically a Democrat-leaning state, right? And maybe the people in his in his district are kind. Of, maybe he's trying to buy some votes from them. Who knows? I mean, just by by him kind of criticizing Donald Trump, maybe it's going to help him to get votes. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that is just looking to keep keep himself in office. But you know what? It's a good salary. It's a nice life, and uh, and you get out, get out of the uh, get of, you know, Congress, and then you have yourself a nice little position, making you know half a million dollars a year with some sort of you know political interest group or something like that. So I mean, there might be some personal motivation there too. Who knows on what he's doing? But a lot of people are just speculating that he's going to run for office. It might even be the fact that he is coming out with a book soon. I wonder if that's the case. I'd love to see if he's going to be coming out with a book soon. And he's just trying to, you know, make make some waves. Get people interested in seeing what's going to go on. Because a lot of people... Rand Paul did it right before he ran for office. You know, 2015, he released a book. Did a little book tour of the whole nine yards. I mean, I even, I even have my signed copy of uh, his book, Taking a Stand, I think is what it was called. I went to one of his little raw raw you know speeches up in greenville south carolina everybody in spartanburg south carolina a little beer joint and uh drank some beer hung out listened to him talk not the most charismatic guy by any means uh went and shook his hand not the most friendly guy by any means either and uh and then i went home so but anyway that was that was a fun time as well but anyway who who knows if justin amash is going to run but uh that's not even what the show's about today, so I'm not going to talk about him anymore. I was just driving down the road today, and I saw, you know, I saw that sign, and I thought that is just the the most the most odd thing. Very curious that I see a sign out there that says Amash 2020. That uh, made me just think, you know, this thing is in full effect. You know, people are looking for their leader. People are looking for that person that is going to challenge the status quo that we have now, which is Donald Trump. And just complete chaos in government, it seems like to me. Uh, running running the government by ca- in chaos. That's, that's, that might be the book that Donald Trump, com- Donald Trump comes out with one day. Who knows? But hey, guys, I appreciate you listening today. I really do. Uh, First-time listener, go ahead and subscribe to the show. You'll hear it tomorrow. It'll be in your podcatcher. Also have uh, over 100 episodes in the past, so you can listen to those. Hopefully you like those as well. And a lot of them are not relevant to the actual exact news that was of the day. I do a lot of shows about candidates and their policies. And then I also do a lot of policy shows on why those things don't fit into a libertarian model. And things like that. So this is a libertarian-leaning show. I mean, this is a libertarian show. I cover everything from a libertarian message. My number one point is non-aggression. I believe that everything else stems from there. Uh, you got to be consistent in that way, right? And uh, so that that's kind of the ide- ideology that I have stems from non-aggression, which is a libertarian, you know, the number one libertarian position in my mind, right? And then everything else kind of springs from there. I also take it from a realistic perspective. We do live in the real world. We don't live in a, a libertarian utopia. So there are things that you have to do in order to achieve the libertarian utopia that we all dream about, right? Um, but we're always trying to move that needle towards the libertarian, more libertarian world. Let's get to the point where we have a federal government that does almost nothing. And then we could talk about getting rid of the rest. But 
Until we get there, you have to live in the real world. You can think ideologically and everything. Um, but, you know, you have to live in the real world also. And I, I've even heard someone say before that if there's a fire in your house, are you going to, you know, moderately tell the fire department to come put it out? Are you going to moderately yell for the people to get out of the house? Or are you going to scream as loud as you can, right? And that is true with the case of slavery in the case in, in that situation. But you, I'm convinced that in the world that we live in today, in order to bring people to our message, we do need to speak truth and we do need to speak it in a concise way, in a way that people understand. But you can't get out there and start calling everybody slaves. You can't. That's a way to turn people off way too fast. But you can give them a message of non-aggression and then turn them towards the idea that, well, hey, if there's a federal government out there that is confiscating people's wealth, and we believe that taxation is theft, and we believe it's confiscation from people, then you can kind of work them towards the idea that, hey, you know what, if you're working for the first 30% of your day, or the first four months of the year, and it's all going towards your taxes, that's how that you're doing to pay the federal government, then who are you enslaved to in that way? But do you even want to go that far with somebody that is a Republican or a Democrat? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that you have to take a moderated approach in some ways, but remain consistent in your views also. You need to slowly move that needle towards liberty. I think that's a that's an important fact. But do it in a way that's going to draw people towards you, not push people away, not make people think that you're some crazy conspiracy theorist. You're all slaves. You hear that people say that. I've heard people say that before. You're all a bunch of slaves. You're all living in slavery. You know, all that does is make people think that you're crazy because people, when people think slavery, they think 100% slavery. That's the... That's the, posi- that's the position that people start in. Slavery is when you're 100% a slave. So if you start telling people that are 20% a slave that they're all slaves, yeah, then that's, that's, a di- that's different. And also slavery has a very negative connotation, a hu- per- terrible connotation, you know, because obviously slavery is terrible. But you can move people towards a view that'll get them to look at it at, in a way that, hey, you know, taxation of 20 to 30% of my wealth is definitely a wrong. It's definitely a bad policy. It is theft. It's confiscation of my wealth. It's done against my will. Things like that. So, um, but you can move people towards that view. You can you can do it. But hey, this is what I wanted to talk about today. And uh, I was looking yesterday. I had brought up the idea of the political map, right? And you guys know which one it is. It's that map that you always see of America and it has the red and the blue right the red states connotate the republican states the blue t- blue states are the states that are the uh the democrat states the ones that voted democrat so you're going to have that whole map made out and it always shows the states but there are ones that you break it down county by county and if you and if you look at one of those you'll see which counties within the states whether they're a blue state or red state, which counties when that state actually voted for Democrat, went Democrat or went Republican. And you think to yourself, so when people look at, when people look at that particular map, 
And even on the map of the United States that shows just the states that went red and went blue, you'll always see that the heartland, the rural states, the ones that are not like the big city states, right? The, you know, the hugely populated states, they tend to go Republican. And then people show that map and they say, see, America is a conservative country because most of the states go, the smaller, the less populated states, most of them go for the Republicans. So they use that to attack the Democrats and say, see, America is a Republican, sta- a Republican country. And then you also look at the county by county one and you think, and when you look at it, most of the country is in red. Most of the country is very much conservative, leaning Republican, votes Republican. If you look at it, that's what it is. Even in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, even in California, most of California is in red. So you see county by county, people are voting Republican. And then when you look at it, you look at the outskirts of the, you know, these, where the cities are at, where the more densely populated people are at, and those are the places where you're going to have people voting Republican, or excuse me, Democrat. Along the border of Texas, you're going to see people voting Democrat. In the cities, New York City is blue, mostly blue. Boston, mostly blue. But Massachusetts, a lot of red in there too, except for in the major populated areas. Washington, D.C., blue. Florida, mostly red, but then you get into Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, Miami, it'll be a little bit more, it'll be blue, right? California, like I said, blue. Texas, even in the even in the cities, you got D- Dallas, it'll be blue. But Chicago's blue, but Illinois is, you know, Illinois is red, all red. And you think to yourself, so from that you take you could take it that when you're in a densely more more densely populated area you're going to be more likely to you know vote for somebody that's going to give you more stuff that's going to speak that's speaking the democratic message versus in the heartland and the rural areas you know you're a little bit more independent you want to be dependent on yourself that's part of your culture of depending upon yourself and things like that so you're going to vote republican in that way cuz that's the message that people perceive that the Republicans speak. And that's the message that people perceive the Democrats speak. So, what I'm getting at with this whole scenario is this. When I look at that map, I think to myself, why do people in the city get to vote and make decisions, important decisions for people that live in the country? And vice versa. Why do people in the country get to have so much control over the public policy that's going to be enforced upon them in the people or you know enforced upon the people in the city so the people in the, the everyone's fighting the rural people are fighting against the city people and trying to use government to get their way right on both sides it shouldn't be like that if you're a rural town if, if, if you have a federal government that has, has that much control that it can make policy for the people in the city when the people in the country hate that policy and vice versa, 
when the people that make policy for people in the city and the people in the rural country areas hate it, and then people in the rural areas love it, and the people in the country hate it, or in the cities hate it. We shouldn't have a federal government that has that much power. That map, all it does is shows me that you need to get rid of the power in, government, in the federal government and bring it down to the county areas. Even the states. You look at the state of South Carolina and you look at the county by county map and you have like, I live in South Carolina so I can say this, you're looking at Columbia, you're looking at the um, Florence area, you're looking at the Greenville area. You're looking at the Myrtle Beach area, and there's a little bit of there's a lot of blue sprinkled throughout there, even in Charleston. But the rest of the state is very red. But if you look at South Carolina, it's traditionally it goes Republican every single time. It's a it's a state that can be counted on by the Republicans to win. But even in South Carolina, as, as large as the state is, should the people in the rural areas be allowed to enforce their policy on the people in the cities, and vice versa? To be able to see, be able to force their will on the people in the counties. I don't think so. I really don't. So it breaks it down to the idea that, in my mind, when I look at that, I think the closer you get policy making to the local individual, to the local county, to the local city, to the local neighborhood, even, I think that that's a good thing. It shouldn't be that these people should be able to enforce their will upon everybody else. All it does is cause division. All it does is cause strife among people. All it does is cause people to hate each other, form their tribes, and try to use their tribe and their group to gain more power in government and more voting power in government so that they can get policymakers to sway their way when making decisions. And we have it terribly wrong at the federal level. That's why there is million or billions upon billions of dollars going into Washington every year in order to sway votes in Congress because there's trillions of dollars trillions upon trillions of dollars going out of Washington and coming into Washington at the same time so everyone has their hand out trying to get more and more of that money everyone has to make sure that they have their tribe represented in Washington somehow whether it's a rural tribe or a city tribe or a black tribe or a white tribe or a Native American tribe or the gay tribe or the gun owners tribe. Everyone's trying to fight for their tribe to get their way when the problem is is that there's too much power at that point because everyone's trying to get their hands on that money. Elizabeth Warren said, I have a plan I was reading a tweet this morning, and it said, "I have a." T-, she says, "I have a plan for corruption." You know what my plan for corruption is? Her plan is more government force, apparently, because that's how it always is with her. You know what my plan for corruption is? Have the government do so little that it doesn't matter if there's corruption up there. That's my plan. Have the government do so little, have its hands on so little of your money, have its hands on so little policy making at the federal level that there's no need for corruption. And if there is, it doesn't matter anyway because it doesn't affect you at home in North Carolina or in California or in Hawaii even, that those policies wouldn't affect you whatsoever. That's my plan. I mean, but Elizabeth Warren, her plan is more government. More laws, more rules, more regulations. But that doesn't work. People figure out ways around regulation. But if there's not 
a billion dollars that you can get for your organization in tax credits or in, you know, or in handouts, essentially. If there's not a billion dollars sitting there for your organization, then you're not going to spend a million dollars sending someone to Washington to get it. Trying to pay off congressmen to get it. Yeah, that's corruption right there. Absolute corruption. And it happens every single day in Washington. But if you just took that power away. But when I look at that political map, why is some person in Iowa getting to vote to make decisions in Washington that are going to affect me in South Carolina? I have nothing. There's We have nothing in common except for the fact that we both live in America. And that's it. But that person, his interests are... I want to get more, his interest might be, I want to get more for the farmers. And my interest might be, I just want to be left alone. And someone else's else's interest might be, I have a family to feed and I don't have a job. But everyone has different reasons why they vote. Everyone has different reasons for everything that they do. And there's an infinite number of reasons why someone would do something. So why is it that we have a system like that? I don't know. I mean, we have a democracy. We have a or we have a republic, we have a country that is clearly divided, but if you just got rid of the power that's at the federal government, if you got rid of that money, then you would, it wouldn't wouldn't matter. It absolutely would not matter. What matters is what's here at home. What matters is at your, in your house, in your person, and maybe the people in your neighborhood, in your community. And maybe extend it a little bit further out to the county or even the state level. But have a federal government that does so little, that's it. And then have a state government that does even let, you know, does so little and bring everything back to the local level. That's what I see when I look at those maps, though. So I hope I was ho- able to help you look at those maps in a different way as well. Because everyone else, they just look at it and say, look, America is a Republican country. Look at it. It's all red. And the Democrats say, well, you know what? If you're in a large city, then obviously you're a de- Democrat. So... You know, we should have, we should get rid of the Electoral College because if we can do that, then New York and LA are going to make the decisions on the elections every single time. And look at that, they're blue. That's how they look at it. But let's look at it from a different standpoint and say that's a problem when somebody in New York City gets to make a decision versus somebody in Iowa and vice versa. So I appreciate y'all listening to the show every day that you come out. I do. I, you know, I see more and more listeners coming on board and uh, keep on coming back tomorrow you can do that by subscribing you could also if you really like what you hear i would appreciate it if you stop what you're doing right now and go ahead and give me that five star rating all it is on, on apple itunes all it is is really you just pull up ion 2020 just type it in and then you scroll down i think you gotta click on it and you scroll down and there's like a five star rating right there that's all you gotta do then give me a you know if you can give me a review that'd be great as well if you like what you hear if you you know that's fine and then also ion 2020 if you type that into twitter type that into facebook you better find me and then i on the empire.com and then if you'd like to you know if you like what you hear subscribe and then come on back tomorrow and you will have clear vision for 2020